The Outline, World Dispatch. Monday, July 10th, 2017. I'm Tolu Adyonwe. Today on The Dispatch, Laura June talks to a researcher about what might have really happened to Amelia Earhart. There's nothing in the government file that says that Amelia Earhart is in this picture. It's just a picture of a bunch of people standing around on a dock. And Rollin Bishop talks to the creator of Pepe the Frog. Pepe's been, um, he's been all over the map. Here's the dispatch. Culture. On Wednesday, the internet was awash in stories of an old photo from the National Archives. It was identified by researchers for the History Channel as a smoking gun that proved what happened to Amelia Earhart. The undated photo shows a small group of people on a wharf. It's captioned, Marshall Islands. Its release coincides with a History Channel documentary, which suggests that Earhart and her navigator, Fred Noonan, didn't crash into the ocean. Instead, the show suggests that they survived and possibly became prisoners of the Japanese. This is not a new theory, and it's only one of several explanations people have suggested over the years. Rick Gillespie has another theory. I, I was an aviation accident investigator before I started doing this 30 years ago. By this, Rick means TIGAR, the International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery. It's a nonprofit Rick runs. TIGAR focuses most of its energy on finding out what's become of missing airplanes. So how did you get into this? Oh, very reluctantly. We started this organization in 1985, and we would, we'd been doing various aviation mysteries. And everybody would always say, well, when are you going after Amelia? And I would always say, well, she just ran out of gas. It's just a media circus, and I don't want any part of it. Years later, a couple of our members came to us, and they were mili- retired military aerial navigators. And they said, well, you know, what she was heard to say on the radio makes perfect sense to a navigator. And if she did what she said she was doing, she could have been on this other island. Rick doesn't exactly say that the quote-unquote newly discovered photo is a hoax, but he doesn't think it depicts Amelia Earhart or Fred Noonan. Yeah, it's, it's nonsense. It, it does not show Amelia Earhart. It does not show Fred Noonan. It's a picture of the wharf at Jalouet Atoll in the Marshall Islands that was taken for naval intelligence because the U.S. Navy was interested in Jalouet. That was the headquarters for the, Brit- for the Japanese in the Marshalls. But there's nothing in the government file that says that Amelia Earhart is in this picture. It's just a picture of a bunch of people standing around on a dock. There's a, there's a person sitting on the edge of the dock that might be a woman, and her back is to the camera, but she's got way too much hair for her to be Amelia Earhart. The guy, they say, looks like Fred Noonan. It doesn't look like Fred Noonan. That's, it doesn't look like Fred. There's one thing that Rick and the History Channel agree on. Neither of them think that Amelia Earhart crashed into the sea. But based on the facts, Rick believes that when Earhart missed her Howland Island destination, she ended up not on the Marshall Islands, but rather somewhere more deserted. What we know for sure is that Earhart left Lay New Guinea with about 24 hours worth of gasoline uh, tried, and she was trying to fly to Howland Island, which is a little over 2,500 miles away, mostly over open ocean. And we know she got to within about 200 miles of Howland Island, and we know that 
because of the strength of the radio signals that were being heard by the Atasca. And we know that at that time, she was in her 20th hour of flight, so she had about four hours of fuel. She should have had about four hours of fuel remaining when she was last heard from. And we know that what she said she was doing at the last time she was heard was that she was running north and south on a line. So we know she didn't get to Howland Island. In the days following her disappearance, radio distress calls were heard by stations all around the Pacific and in the U.S. that were believed to be from from her airplane. And there were radio bearings taken on these signals, and the bearings crossed by this other island. It was called Gardner Island at the time. Gardner Island. It's in a small atoll in the Phoenix Islands. And the theory that Earhart landed there is one of the oldest. Newspaper articles published during the massive search and rescue operation say that the Coast Guard and Earhart's own husband believed that she had landed her plane on one of the Phoenix Islands and that she was sending distress signals. At first, in 1937, the U.S. Navy thought that's where she landed. That's why they searched there. But by the time the 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 airplanes that the Navy sent to search there got to the island. It's a long way from Hawaii, where the ship came from. It took them a week to get there, and by then the ship, had, the the plane had been washed into the ocean, so there was no ship to see. And that island was completely uninhabited at that, at that time. Oh yeah, yep, still is now. And have you been there? Eleven times. One of the clues to Earhart's possible location was the timing of her distress signals. So how long did the signals go on? The signals uh, began the night after she disappeared and went on for six nights after that. But Mm -hmm. uh, the reason they didn't keep sending radio signals is because they had landed on the reef that surrounds the island. It's, it's a reef that is flat, smooth, dries at low tide, but the tide comes in. Tide goes out. But each time the tide came in, the, it came in a little higher. And the, the radio signals only occur when the water level on the reef is low enough for the propeller to clear the water. And that's another reason we're quite sure that we've got the right location. But the tides got higher each, each night, and eventually... Uh, the tides were high enough to wash the airplane off the reef into the ocean, leaving Earhart and her navigator literally marooned on a desert island. I've read that there was some physical evidence on Gardner Island um, that she was there. Can you tell me about that? Sure. Uh, we found the fire where she cooked birds and and uh, fish and boiled water. We found the bottles that she boiled water in, and they're American bottles from the 1930s, um, a, a little um, jar, there was an ointment pot that contained um, a, an ointment that women used to make their freckles fade. We don't know that Amelia used freckle cream, but we know she had freckles and that she didn't like her freckles. We found a, a pocket knife of the same type that was inventoried to be aboard her airplane when she, after she wrecked it in Hawaii in the first attempt to fly around the world. Um, so we're, we're finding these artifacts that, that speak of an American woman of the 1930s. Uh, we don't think that Noonan survived very long. He seems to have been injured. But Earhart uh, seems to have lived for certainly a number of weeks, probably a matter of months, 
died at a campsite about two miles away from where the airplane uh, landed. And um, her, her remains were found three years later, but then misidentified. And so why do you think people don't accept that answer? Oh, pe- people want something simple. They want something you can hold up in your hand and say, see, here's a piece of, well, I don't know, a, a piece of Amelia Hart's airplane that you can see is a piece of Amelia Hart's airplane, or here's a piece of Amelia Hart because of the DNA matches. <laughs> right. Rick's theory is not without its detractors. And a lot of researchers have not been convinced by his compilation of evidence. They say, in particular, that many of the artifacts could have been left on Gardner Island when it was briefly inhabited, beginning in 1939. But Rick's theory isn't crazy. And the fact that many experts believed the same thing at the time of Earhart's disappearance forces us to consider it carefully. But short of a corpse, some will never be satisfied. And one thing is for sure. Amelia Earhart is dead. We'll be right back. Culture. Artist Matt Fury originally created Pepe the Frog as part of his Boys Club comics back in 2005. Almost a decade later, Pepe memes have become linked to the alt-right and other Trump-supporting circles. The Anti-Defamation League ended up categorizing Pepe as a hate symbol because of it. But that hasn't stopped Fury. He and the ADL teamed up for a Save Pepe social media campaign late last year. And now he's launched a Kickstarter campaign to Save Pepe through a new edition of Boys Club that continues on with the character's original intention. All right, Matt, are you still there? I'm right here. Rollin Bishop talked to Fury by phone about how he sees Pepe these days. How would you describe Pepe to Frog as someone who's not familiar with him? Well, um, I would describe him as a 20-something frog that likes to uh, just kind of chill out and take naps, watch television, and uh, hang out with his buddies. And so that describes the character Pepe the Frog, then? Indeed, yeah. So that's the character as I intended him. But, um, of course, most people know Pepe the Frog as as a uh, internet name, which kind of goes beyond my own interpretation of the frog and enters the realm of the multiplicity of internet users out there. You know, it started off as a snippet from my comic book and then uh, of the frog just saying, feels good, man. And then it kind of um, became virally a a frog face uh, that was kind of open to all kinds of different interpretations. And obviously there's the sort of darker interpretation that's come into light the past couple years. Yeah. And then, yeah, during the, um, the recent uh, election, uh, Pepe was kind of thrown around by the two presidential candidates, uh, one being uh, Donald Trump tweeted a, a, a Pepe version of himself, and, you know, he tagged the Breitbart News and whoever else, and, and that alerted um, the Hillary Clinton campaign to say that Pepe was actually much more sinister than what um, people would would believe. So... And then, uh, you know, it got to a point where um, he was listed on a list of uh, institutionally recognized hate symbols. So, yeah, Pepe's been, um, he's been all over the map. 
recently you killed Pepe. Yeah, yeah, I, I um, I show him uh, in an open casket surrounded by friends. Um, this was a comic strip that I did for a free comic book day comic for Fanographics. They asked me to come up with a new comic, and it was right after Donald Trump got elected. And, um, you know, this comic was just kind of uh, my own kind of art therapy and dealing with the fact that uh, Trump got elected and, uh, you know, the new uh, twist on Pepe that ensued. So, uh, you know, I decided to lay him to rest. But, but really, it was just kind of a joke and a way for me to kind of uh, deal with the weirdness that was happening. Uh, I didn't realize that it would get the uh, kind of attention that it did. Uh, you know, the symbolism of Pepe is pretty loaded at this point, and that was, uh, you know, just another um, interesting turn to the story as, the, you know, the media and whoever else is uh, constructing their narrative. Now, the goal of the Kickstarter is to create a new boys club zine, sort of the original Pepe. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to continue telling the same story that I've always told uh, with Pepe and the boys, you know, but there might be some twists in there. But it's exciting to just take this thing on uh, in a kind of creative way. You know, I'm working with my brother and be doing something uh, that's creative rather than kind of begrudgingly holding on to some kind of idea of what Pepe is. I'm just going to continue making him what I think he is, and that's a shout-out piece peaceful frog dude so in a way despite everything uh pepe the frog is still very much a matt fury creation and something you um want to keep using yeah yeah i don't see why not you know i'm kind of a um uh i'm an escapist and i you know i i kind of believe that there there is a possibility for a utopian future and i like to um you know, I think symbolically for at least my own creativity and for myself, um, Pepe represents, you know, something bigger than myself um, that will hopefully um, help to steer the uh, the ship of consciousness into a, into a wider scope of, um, you know, understanding. Thanks, Matt. All right. Take care. That concludes The Dispatch. If you like the show, remember to subscribe to the Outline World Dispatch on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you use to listen. I'm Tolu Adionwe. More stories tomorrow.